morning. Welcome to People's Church. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the elders here, and we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. It's an exciting morning, right? We launched a new website, peopleschurch.online. Go check it out. But we're also starting this awesome series called God's Story for the next eight weeks. And as David mentioned earlier, God's story is simply the story that God is unfolding in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Let's be very clear. It is the good news, the good news of grace and hope. And what's really beautiful is as we start to dig into this story, we're not just going to see what God is doing. But how many of you guys know that the story reveals who He is? And so we're, we're excited not just to learn about what He's doing, but who this beautiful God is. Now, how many of you guys know that sometimes stories can get kind of complex, <laughs> right? The story of the Bible is no different. And so we've come up with eight words that simplify and clarify the story that God is unfolding. And so I'm going to give you those eight words, okay? Creation, sin, promises, cross, spirit, trouble, return, and restore. Now, I want to take a step back and I want to connect some dots for you. How does that sound? Let me give you the, the quick three or four minute view of the story that God is unfolding, okay? And excuse me beforehand if I get a little excited because this is good news, okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. He's the source of all things. You're going to see the icons up here. In the beginning, He created all things. See, how many of you guys know that He created them good, perfect, without fall? And He created man in His image, Adam and Eve. But the problem is, Adam and Eve, they did not obey the commands that God gave them. They sinned against God. They disobeyed God. They rebelled against what He said. And because of that, their disobedience created separation between God and man. Their sin was the entry point for pain and brokenness and dysfunction and death to enter the world. But oh, our God is so good. Because you know what? He wasn't satisfied to let man live at a distance. He wasn't satisfied to let sin dominate creation forever. But he launched a plan to save man and to restore all things. And do you guys know how he started that plan? By making promises. He made a promise to a man named Abraham. And he confirmed that promise to his son Isaac and his son Jacob. He made a promise to a man named David. He made a promise to the nation of Israel. But it's these promises that are the foundation for the plan that God had to save and restore and God, He sent His Son, Jesus, from heaven, fully God and fully man, and linked with these promises, not only to live a perfect life, but to die on a cross. To shed His blood for our sins. Guys, listen, this is grace. It's nothing you can earn. It's nothing that you deserve. It's sheer gift of grace to cover our sins for us. And so He hang on a cross. He shed His blood, and He died. He was in the tomb for three days. But how many of you guys know that he did not stay in the tomb? On the third day, he was resurrected. He's alive at the right hand of the Father in the heavens. But before he ascended to the Father, you know what he said? He said, y'all are going to need some help. You're going to need some help. And so I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you my spirit. If you put your faith in me, I'm going to put my spirit in you because you need help to know me. You need help to love me. You need help to become like me. You need help to be my witnesses in the earth. You need help. And so I'm sending you my spirit. But this is what we know, that even with the Holy Spirit in us, we are coming 
closer and closer to the end of this age. We're coming closer. And guys, at the end of this age, there's going to be trouble like we've never seen before in human history. You might have heard it called the Great Tribulation. Maybe you've heard it called Jacob's Trouble. However you want to label it, there's going to be a period of three and a half years of the greatest trouble humankind's ever seen. It's going to be dark. It's going to be evil. But all we have hope in Jesus. Because at the end of that period, He's going to split the sky. He's going to come on the clouds. He's going to deal with evil and wickedness. And He's going to set up a kingdom in Jerusalem. And He's going to reign for a thousand years. He's going to purify the earth. And then you know what He's going to do? He's going to hand the kingdom back to the Father. And the Father's going to come down. And they're going to do away with death forever. And we're going to enter into eternity and we're going to be with God forever. He's going to restore all things back to the way He intended in the beginning. No more pain. No more brokenness. No more tears. No more distance between God. But we get to be with Him forever. This is good news. This is good news. And so over the next eight weeks, this is where we're going. Every week we're going to be taking one of these words and we're going to be unpacking it and digging a little bit deeper. Okay? Everybody good? Amen. Pray with me, and we're going to jump in. So Jesus, we love you. Oh, Lord, we thank you, God, in, in a time full of much bad news, we thank you for good news, the best news. We thank you for grace to cover us. We thank you for hope, God, for light at the end of the tunnel to get us through. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Would you come today, God, would you stir our hearts in faith? Would you encourage us today? But God, we also ask as we start to look at creation, God, would you come and open our eyes? Would you let us see you? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, pet peeves. How many of you guys know that pet peeves are a two-sided coin? You know that? So on one side of pet peeves, we have our own pet peeves, the things that annoy us and frustrate us, Right? But on the other side of the coin, how many of you guys know that often we are people's pet peeves, <laughs> right? We do the things that frustrate other people. And when I was at UNC Wilmington, that's where I went to college, one of my good friends, his name was Phelps. He was my roommate, and he was a movie person. Anybody else really into movies? He was a movie person through and through. He was always watching something. And sometimes I would just scoot in and watch, you know, just a piece of it with him. Generally, I would show up like three-fourths of the way through the movie. Anybody else like that? Just, just show up. I'm just going to catch the end. I don't really care that much about it. But that was his biggest pet peeve because he's a movie person. He loves the plot. He loves the movie. And he, he would always get upset. He'd be like, no, like, you can't do that. Like, you have to start at the beginning. You're, you're missing the plot. You're missing the nuance. You're missing everything. You've got to start at the beginning. And I didn't really care about those movies. But how many of you guys know when it comes to God's story, there's some truth here. We have to start at the beginning to understand what God is doing and what God is saying. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to be going after the first seed creation. And so if you would go in your Bible with me to Genesis 1. That's where it all begins, right? Genesis, the book of beginnings. And so we're just going to be reading the first verse of the Bible, okay? Genesis 1, 1. So here's some pages turned, so I'm just going to let you guys get there. So Genesis 1-1 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Wow! What a way to start a book, right? So in this verse, we see three things. You guys remember the, the five questions, who, what, when, where, why, how? You see all that? Okay, well here in Genesis 1, we see the when, right? It was in the beginning, 
Okay? Second, we see who. We see God. And third, we see what, what did He do? He created the heavens and the earth. Now, heavens and the earth, guys, let me just let you in on a little secret. That's shorthand, okay? Heavens and the earth, that's everything. <laughs> okay, that's everything. The heavens and the earth, that includes everything. And so we see that God created everything. Now, but let's be really honest. Sometimes when we use the word God in modern day, that can be pretty vague, right? Islam, they worship God. They worship Allah. Like, we worship God. Like, that can be pretty vague. So let's be very clear on the God that we're speaking of who created all things. We're speaking of Yahweh. We're speaking of the Trinity. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is who created all things. And the Trinity, they all have different parts. The Father had an intention of creating things. It actually says in Colossians 1 that Jesus is the one who spoke all things into being. But we see the Spirit hovering over the water as a means for which creation is coming to. But we see the Trinity creating all things. And how many of you guys know that He's also the only uncreated one? He's the only one who has no beginning Himself. He's always been. He's the uncreated God. Go to Psalm 90 with me. I've been staring at this verse this week. I just love the wording of it. Psalm 90. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, forever you have formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting you are God. Before you did all that creation stuff, you've always been and you always be. He's uncreated. And so we see the uncreated God, the Trinity, the Father, Spirit, Son, created everything. Can you guys say everything? He created all things. He created all things from small to big. Okay? We're we're talking the microscopic, molecular level that we can't even see with our eyes to the breadth and the, the width of the solar system. Right? Galaxies, plants that we cannot even begin to, to understand or even know they're out there. And God created it all. And everything in between. And guys, not only did He create it all, but He created it all with precision and intention. Isn't that awesome? Now, I want to be very clear when we start talking about Genesis 1-1. The rest of the Bible is built on this truth. The rest of the Bible is built on the truth that God made everything. So there's 31,102 verses that come after Genesis 1-1, and all of them hinge on this, that He made it all. He made it all. But listen, I want to be, be real clear that He didn't just make everything and leave it. He didn't just throw the earth into orbit, and now you go do your own thing. But that God, He made everything, but He actively upholds all things. Hebrews 1, it says, He upholds all things by the word of His power. I love the way Nehemiah 9 says. It says, He preserves all things. He preserves all things. He's the one who sustains all things. Guys, listen to me. He's the one who makes sure that we have breath right now. He's to make sure the one who doesn't make, uh, the sun doesn't fall out of orbit. He's the one who sustains all things. Now, here's the question, okay? The question I'm going to ask, going to look, kind of look at now is, but how did God make all things? Go to Genesis 1-3 with me. And God said, God said, how did He create all things? He created all things by speaking everything into existence. This is the means of creation. 
It's God's voice. It's His Word. How many of you guys know that there is power and life in the Word of God? That was true in the beginning. That's true now. That's why we cling to this book, right? Because there's power and life in His Word. Psalm 33 says, By the Word of the Lord the heavens were made. By the breath of His mouth all their hosts. We see it's by His Word that all things were made. So now we're going to take a, just, a, just a couple of minutes and we're just going to run through the creation. So you guys know there's, there's seven days, right? He created in six. He rested on the seventh. We're just going to look quickly at, at what God did. And we're going to keep moving, okay? So day one, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that it was good. You're going to see a pattern here. God saw it was good, right? He separated the light from the darkness and there was the first day. Now, how many of you guys know that we have the, the, the structure of the day backwards? We think morning is the beginning of the day. But if you look here in the Bible, there was evening and then there was morning, the first day. Isn't that interesting? The way God rearranged the day was a little bit different than us. But we see the first day, evening and morning. And on the second day, we see that God, He created an expanse. He put an expanse, a space between the waters above and the waters Below. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, just to let you know a little secret, God loves water. He loves water. Look at the oceans, look at the needs of our body, look at the way our body, like He loves water. He put a, a space, an expanse between the waters above and the waters below. And he called this expanse heaven. Now when we talk about heaven, we're not just talking about the place that God dwells, we're also talking about the solar system, we're talking about even the, the, the sky that we see. And you can see that later when He creates birds, He talks about them flying in the heaven. Okay? So we see this expanse was made. And there was evening, there was morning, there was the second day. Now, day three, God, He takes the waters below the expanse and He draws them together and dry land appears. And He calls it earth. And He says that it's good. He says the earth is good. And then He begins to fill the earth with plants, with vegetation, with plants that have seeds. You guys know I'm a farmer, so I'm all about seeds, okay? There's no food without seeds. So He creates seeds and He sees that it's good. So we have the third day. Day four, he creates the lights in the heavens. He creates a greater light for the day, the sun. He creates a smaller light for the night, the moon, right? What I find is really interesting is what you see. Let me just go there. He said, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Verse 14, 114. That even as God created the sun and the moon, he was thinking about time. That's really fascinating, right? Because how many of you guys know that our day and our year, it's around the, the, the sun. Isn't that interesting? So we see that God, it's, He's not just even creating the sun and the moon, but He's creating this time. But God saw that it was good. He created them. Evening and morning, the fourth day. And then verse 20, God said, Let the waters swarm with living creatures and the birds fly above across the expanse of the heavens. But we see God, He starts to address the waters and the heavens the naked eye. He says, Fill the waters with fish and all the living creatures. Fill the sky with birds. And he says, multiply. You're, another thing you're going to see is God is all about multiplication. So God creates them. He says it's good, right? And as we get into day six, what we see is that God created livestock. Whew! Probably a cow and some pig. No, I'm just kidding. We don't know what it is. But God created livestock, creeping things, things that were on the earth to dwell. All the animals. And God saw that it was good, right? And then he gets to the end, toward the end. And so he says, and let us make man in our image. 
Let, let us make a man. Guys, listen. We carry a distinction from the rest of creation because we carry the image of God. Wow. Now, let me press in just for a second. In our day, some of us can be dealing and struggling with self-image, self-worth issues. So we just be honest? Maybe we don't measure up to that Instagram that we follow. Maybe we think that we carry too much weight. And so we're struggling with the way that we view ourselves. But let me go ahead and tell you, you're special the way you are. You're valuable the way you are. You don't get your value from weight or the way you look or maybe your personality. You get your value that you're God's, that you're His, that you carry His image. Listen, He put His thumbprint on you. Jeremiah 1, God comes to Jeremiah and He says, I formed you in your mother's womb. I put my thumbprint on you while you were still in your mother's womb. Guys, He did the same thing for you. You carry your personality, your look for a reason, because you carry the image of God. And so we see that God makes man in his image. And then he says, be fruitful, multiply. And then he, this is interesting, he says, subdue the earth. He actually gives man authority over the earth. And he gives man food. How many of you guys know, did you know this? It's kind of like a fad going to a plant-based diet. Did you know that in the garden, everybody was on a plant-based diet? <laughs> Uh, we were actually at dinner last night, and one of my buddies, he went to order a burger, and it was a West Coast burger. It was like impossible meat. It was veggie meat. He was like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want that. But, but we, everybody was on a veggie, veggie diet in the beginning. But this is what I want you to see, okay? So Genesis 1.31, and God saw everything, say everything, everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So you hear God saying, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. And then God saw everything together. And He said, it's very good. It's very good. And so we see God was extremely pleased with what He had made. It was perfect. There was no flaw in what He had made. How many of you guys know that God, everything that God made was good? Think about this. We were made to live in the goodness of what God made. He made everything good and then he placed man inside of that so we could live in the goodness of what he made. That's his heart, his desire towards us. And then we get to day seven. So chapter two, verse one. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done. So we see that God made everything in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. He took a break. Now, I want to go ahead and be really honest with you guys. He didn't need a break. <laughs> He's all powerful. He didn't need the break. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, God created rest for me and you. Rest is important. I don't know if there's any workaholics in here. Maybe you can't turn off the phone at night because you've, you've got to keep working, got to keep getting ahead. Rest is needed. In fact, this is why we see even in the Jewish culture, Sabbath is such a big deal because it was modeled by God. Rest was modeled by Him for us. Guys, I don't know if anybody's in here is weary. Maybe you need to turn off, take a break, rest. Build in regular rhythms of rest. Amen? Amen. Okay, so as we start looking at these seven days, this is what I want you to know. Creation is not a fringe doctrine. Sometimes in church, we don't really get to it that much. Okay? But it is core, it is essential to what we believe. Listen, it's, I'm just going to be bold. So just 
You need to put your, your feet under your chair, okay? I don't want to step on any toes. But listen, if we are Christians, we can't begin just to believe that Big Bang created everything. Can't do it. Okay? Everything just happened and existed. Everything collided and now everything exists. We can't believe that evolution is the source of all things. I'm not saying things don't evolve. But I'm saying it's not the source of all things. If we believe God, then we have to believe His Word that He created all things with intention. This is not friends, okay? In fact, if you start looking through the Old Testament and the New Testament, oftentimes we see the Old Testament writers and even Paul, they start drawing from creation as support for God having authority over all things. Go to Psalm 146 with me. Alright, Psalm 146. Give me a little yee-hee if you're there. Woo! Alright. Psalm 146, verse 5. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Okay? Blessed is he who puts his hope in the God of Jacob, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. Listen, blessed is you who puts your hope in the God of Jacob because he made everything. He's a pretty good one to put your hope in because he made everything that exists. Go to Jonah 1. We're just going to hit these quickly. I don't want to take up too much time. But I think it's just interesting to see how they keep referencing creation. They keep drawing the thread. They keep coming back to this point. So Jonah, we know the story of Jonah. Jonah is in the ship. He's trying to get away from the sign that God gave him. And a big storm comes upon the ship. And they start asking questions. And this is Jonah 1-7. They said to one another, Come, let us cast lots so we may know whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lot, and the lot fell to Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? They're questioning it, right? <laughs> Rightfully so. They're giving him 21 questions. They're trying to figure this thing out. What's, what's the storm about? This is Jonah's answer. Verse 9. And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Guys, they, I could give you a bunch of references, but they keep coming back. He's the one who made everything. He's the one who made everything. He's the one who created everything. Go with me to Acts 17. Two more and we'll be done. This is Paul. So Acts 17. We're going to start in verse 22. Acts 17, 22. Paul, he's in Athens at the Areopagus. And this is where he stands up. He says, So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, for I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, 
This I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by hands. Made by man. Think about this, guys. He starts drawing out that not only did God make all things, but He's the Lord of all things. He made all things so that He has authority over all things. Wow. Okay, go to Revelation 4 with me. How many of you guys have ever wondered what's happening in heaven right now? What's, ha- what's happening in heaven? Go to Revelation 4, just real fast. So Revelation 4 is actually a picture of the throne room in heaven. So we have the living creatures. We have the elders falling down. This is verse 10. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne. And they worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne. How many of you guys have heard the elders? And they're casting their crowns. But what are they saying? They're saying, worthy are you, O Lord and God. Verse 411. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. You're worthy because you made everything. You're worthy because you're the one who planned it all. Everything exists because you desired it. This is why you're worthy. Guys, we see over and over, this is not a fringe doctrine. God's authority stems from the fact that He made all things. He made all things. And when I talk about authority, guys, just to keep it simple, I'm saying He's in charge. He's in charge. He has full control. He has final say over everything because He made it. He made it. Now, I'm going to go down a small bunny trail. Is that okay? Just just for one second. Okay? I'm, I'm letting you know. I'm telling you before I go there. Okay? So listen, God, He made all things. He has authority over all things. But how many of you guys know that God delegates authority to others? This is the structure for which He rules the earth. You even see it in Genesis 1, we were talking about He delegates authority to man over the earth. But how many of you guys know that God, He delegates authority to governmental leaders? God delegates authority to men, to husbands over wives. God delegates authority to parents over children. God delegates authority to bosses over employees. And so there's twofold responsibility here. That if God delegates authority to us, then we need to use it and steward it in a godly way. If God's given you authority, how are you stewarding that authority? But the second piece is that we are called to submit. We're co- called to submit to God first. Even James 4. Therefore, submit to God. You guys know that passage? Submit to God. But also, we're called to submit to the authorities in our lives. Guys, listen, we live in a culture that's all about rebellion. That's not the way of God. The way of God is submission and humility to the authorities that are given to us. I'm going to read a quote for you. This is a guy named John Arthur. He says, The question in salvation is not whether Jesus is Lord, but whether we are submissive to His Lordship. Guys, listen. Submission is everything. Submission is about yielding to the will and the authority of another. Listen, 
as we behold that God made all things and He has authority over all things, then we are to come under His authority. We are supposed to come under His Word and submit to His desire and His will and to His Word. This is divine order from God. When we come out of this order, things get broken fast. This authority isn't just so you can play slave. This authority, this order is for your covering. That you would actually live in the wisdom and the delight and the love of God all your days. We want to be those who submit and come under the authority of God in our lives. Amen? Jeff, if you want to go ahead and come. So I'm going to recap for us today. How's that sound? So what does creation say about God? Guys, He's the source of all things. He created all things, and He sustains them by the word of His power. But listen, not only did He create all things, He has authority. He has full control. He has final say over everything that's made. Now, here's the question that we're all asking. What does this say about me? <laughs> right? Isn't that the question that we're all asking? What does this mean for me? Listen, what does it mean for you? It's that God made you in His image. That God has purpose, plan, intention in your life. But secondly, that He's in control. That He's in charge. And listen, if we start saying God's in charge, you know what we have to recognize? That I'm not in charge. Because some of us want to live like we're in charge and not acknowledge that really He's in charge. So we want to see that we are made in His image, that He is the one who is in charge. And so we're called to come under His authority, under His leadership, under His will. Amen? And so even as we go into ministry, guys, I'm just going to, we're going to open the altar. But this is what I've felt pressed in my, my heart this week, is that if you know in your life, that there's a place where you're not submitted to Jesus. If you know there's a place where God has spoken and you're running in rebellion to that, come submit to Him today. Maybe you are going down a path with alcoholism and you know God said don't get drunk. And you continue to walk in a lifestyle that turns. Guys, repentance is turning away from false, turning away from lies and turning to the truth of what God has said. Come and turn today. Turn to Him today. There's a place out of line. Come back in line. Amen? Secondly, if you struggle with self-image and self-worth, come be washed by the truth that God loves you, that He made you, that He values you as you are. How many of you guys know, oftentimes we're always trying to fix ourselves so that we can get value, so we can be valuable. Well, if I lost 10 pounds, if I made $75,000, if I, whatever it is for you, we're always trying to fix ourselves so that then we can be something. You are something as you are because God made you and He loves you and He values you. He made you in your mother's womb. If you struggle with self-image, we want to welcome you to come be washed. If you would like prayer, we value prayer. We believe in the power of prayer in this place. And so if you're struggling, maybe those two things don't apply to you, but you're just having a hard week. We want to invite you to come sit on the front row because we want to come alongside of you today. We want to encourage you. We want to pray for you. We want to stand with you.
Amen? Amen. So Jesus, we love you. God, we honor you in this place as Creator. God, we honor you as the one who is in charge of all things. And yet, God, we also, we see our place. God, that we are small. God, that we are low. God, that we are to come under your authority. Lord, would you come and wash us with truth? God, would you let us stand in awe of your greatness? God, that you are all-powerful. That you're all-knowing. That you're infinite. That you're the uncreated one who's existed from everlasting to everlasting. Lord, we honor you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.